Well, with our hearts continued focused on grace, if you will open your Bibles up to Numbers chapter 13, and you can look there in your uh, pew Bible in front of you. If you didn't have a Bible with you this morning, you can take one of the Bibles that's right there in front, and you can open up to page 121. There you will find Numbers 13, will be in Numbers 13 and 14 as we continue with our series here, Set the Captives Free. And we come to uh, this passage today, we'll be looking in in two chapters here, 13 and 14, and we pick up where uh, a little bit further down the road from where Wesley preached last week as he looked in Exodus 32, and you see there where Israel made for themselves an idol, an idol that was a picture of power, and we have to be very careful, church, um, when we only take one or two characteristics of God and say, I like that about God. You know, that's, that's the kind of God I like right there. That's my God. We have to be very careful with saying, that's my God. Um, because if you, if you only look at God's power, then you miss his, his love and his mercy and his, and his grace, what we just sang about. But then if you kind of see God as one who's just full of grace but has nothing to do with wrath, then you get a skewed view there of, of how God has showed his wrath in the past and how God will show his wrath in the future. And so God is whole and complete. So let us be careful not to compartmentalize God to make him nice and neat to fit our lives. And that's what Israel did, you know, with, with the bull. We see that, and Wesley preached last week, and I know did a wonderful job. And this week we um, come through uh, where Israel is now commanded to go forth into to Canaan. They're spied out, and the spies are to go forth. There's 12 of them, one for each tribe, and we're going to see that 10 of them are going to come back. They're going to give a bad report. We're going to see that two come back and, and give the honest report, and their trust is in the Lord. So read with me here Numbers 13, starting in verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of Negeb. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, and who come from Nephilim. We seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Chapter 14. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land 
to fall by the sword. Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all of the people. Skip down to verse 20. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these 10 times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despise me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Now, since the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valleys, turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. As we're here in Numbers 13 and 14, we see that your children were very afraid. They were afraid for the things of which they did not have. As you would command them to go forth and to fight, men came back and they gave a very bad report. They weren't just doubting their own inabilities, they were doubting you, your kingship, your authority, your sovereignty over their lives. Father, forgive us where we Look at condemnation towards Israel in this moment. For will we judge them, thinking as if if we were in that position, we would be any different? For we live on the other side of the cross, and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his blood spilt for us. We thank you that our confidence is in Christ and Christ alone, so that we do not have to be afraid. But forgive us, Father, where we do fear. Father, forgive us where we fear many things. Forgive us where we fear death. Forgive us where we fear of losing out on opportunities and relationships. God, forgive us of our worry that we may have walked into this building with, the worry that may be crowding our hearts right now as thorns around a plant. And Father, I just ask that you move in power through the power of the Holy Spirit to teach us today, for I am very incapable, but I know that through the power of the Holy Spirit, your word will go forth and that you will bring conviction draw people to yourself that there will be true repentance in following you today. Father, may we be encouraged as we leave this place today. So may we take hold according to your word now. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may have a seat. We 
We're in St. George Island this past week. That's our, our place where we go for our family vacation. And it's a family place. We, we have a great time. And every year we travel over across the bridge. There's two big bridges, which my wife just loves to travel over, by the way. And we go into a little town called Apalachicola. Maybe you've been there. And there's a little bay there. So Apalachicola Bay. And they shoot fireworks over the bay. And it's a great time. A, a town of, of maybe 11,000 people. And at that time uh, of the event, there's probably about 6,000 or so people that were there, according to my guesstimation. And so just a great time of, of spending time together as family and seeing all types of people. If you like the people watch, this is a great place to go. OK. And so we settled down in the grass there and we're watching some of the bands play. And there was a great band, great country band. If you like country music, they had country music going on. And so they got up there and performed, and, and, and they were great. They are very talented. And then after that, there was a group that came up, a gospel group that was there in town, from that town. And about four or five of them got up on stage, and they began to sing. And I just watched the crowd. It was, it was very interesting just to watch the dynamic of the crowd and it shift and who came up to the stage to listen and then who walked away at certain moments. And then big families that were there for Fourth of July celebration and just from different uh, states coming down. And I just, just listened, just kind of watched how they acted when the gospel group got up there to sing and different from when the, the country band was up there because when the country band's going, everybody's singing and, you know, clapping and it was a good time. And, but there was also some singing and excitement when the gospel group got up there. But the guy, he got up there and, I mean, he was just so bold. He didn't care what anybody in that crowd thought. He said, right now we are going to worship and praise Jesus. And, I, you know me, I'm thinking, amen, that's, that's awesome. I mean, that's our true freedom right there in Jesus. And so that's what we're here to celebrate, freedom, right? And so they began to sing, and it was just interesting to watch how people responded after each song. And, and I sat there and I thought, you know, it's, it's interesting. Here they're given the stage. They're given a platform. They have this moment in time, and they won't get it back. And so what will they do with this time? And it's interesting that one group goes up there, and they sing, and they're very talented, but all their songs have to do with women and drinking and partying and all of that. And every song's the same, just tuned differently. And they're very talented. But, you know, I thought that's... That's what they take pleasure in. That's what he takes joy in. That's what he's singing about. I, I, I wouldn't get up there and, and sing about that. That wouldn't be my platform, but that's his platform. And then this other group comes up and they do something that we would say, you know what? Probably crossing the lines a little bit here. You know, you, you probably shouldn't uh, push your religion onto other people talking about Jesus. And I can kind of tell that some people in the crowd, just different groups we were around, you know, kind of poking fun a little bit and, and, and dancing in different ways, you know, and you know, I thought, but you know what? This is their platform, and this is what they choose to sing about. And it was just, it was a lovely picture. It was a great time. The fireworks were awesome. We had a great time there. But I wanted to share that with you because I find it interesting that when we're given a platform, what do we sing? You know, we're talking about singing this morning, the Lord singing over us, and us singing to the Lord. But what do you sing? But, but let's look at a, a more challenging time than just having a platform at a 4th of July celebration. How about when tribulations come your way? Okay. When hard times come your way, then, then what do you sing? What, what comes out of your mouth? I mean, what do you say when things are good? But then what do you say when, when times turn in a different direction? And maybe you're challenged. Maybe you're going to have to step forward like Israel. And you have to go into a land of giants. And you're going to have to kill them. Now, when we look at this story, it's easy for us to look back on it and to go, you wimps. I mean, come on. God is with you and God will destroy them. They're like bread to you. Listen to Caleb. Go. But in that moment, they're looking, they're sizing up their opponent and they're going, these guys, they're going to crush us. 
We're going to die. So do you know what they feared at that moment? Their lives. They feared death. Death was so real to them in that moment. And they're thinking, why did God bring us all the way to this moment so that we could be crushed by these people? They were focusing on what they did not have. And so today we are looking at the spies being sent into Canaan. But if you want to do a little subtitle there, you may want to title it something of, of, of conquering your fears or persevering through your fears. Whatever you like, you just title it there. But we're looking at persevering through our fears, triumphing, having victory over our fears. So what types of people are we talking about here? What types of people that, that fear? I mean, we, we all fear something. I find it interesting that when we turn to Revelation chapter 21, if you will, it's at the back of your Bible there, Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 7, we see a group of people. Now, this group of people you do not want to be a part of. i just go ahead and tell you, you don't want to be a part of this group of people. And today... As of this moment, where you stand between you and God, you may be a part of these people. But you don't want to be in this group. This is not the group you want to be associated with when judgment comes. These are the people that will be cast into the lake of fire forever. This is their eternity, just like your eternity can be in the presence of God with with Christ being the sun and the light and, and radiating the glory of God. That can be your home forever in eternity. But if you deny God, if you resist God, if you turn away from God, however you want to phrase it, if you're not His, then when that time comes for judgment and you're not trusting in what Christ did for you on the cross, then your home is eternity in hell. That's this group of people. They're gathered together. They're they're huddled together. And you would think, okay, what kind of people are in that group? Murderers? Thieves? Right? I mean, those are the type of people that need to be in that group. Molesters, you know, they need to be in that group. They, they should never be allowed in, into heaven. How about the Taliban? You know, I mean, ISIS, I mean, whatever we want to say. I mean, th- these groups, they, they need to be in that group of judgment. But yet when we read the very first person that it mentions, I think it will take you by surprise if you're not familiar with this passage. You ready? Revelation chapter 21, starting verse 7. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God. He will be my son. But as for the cowardly, wow. You see, we would think the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death, which is very real, by the way. Just as real as you are sitting in that pew and breathing, so is the second death. And the people that will go there have been listed. And the very first ones on those lists, the cowardly. Those who worry all the time. Who are fearful. Who do nothing for the Lord because they're so afraid of what may happen. This is where we find Israel. They're cowards. They can move forward. God has promised them this land. He would fight for them. But yet they look at what they do not have. And so the cowardly also inherit the eternal lake of fire. This is us looking forward okay, to what will happen. So this may be hard for us to understand because you say, I can't help it. I'm, I'm a, a worrier. I, I, that's just who I am. 
And, and won't you just go ahead and finish that statement off if that's you. If you say, hey, I'm a worry wart, whatever it may be, it's just who I am. It's just my nature. And you know, when you make that statement, you're very correct. It is your nature to worry. It is your nature to be afraid. That's why you must trust in God. And for Israel, they were worried. They were afraid. It was their nature to worry and to doubt God. Do you know that that's part of your DNA, to doubt God? You know, that's why you have to have faith. And that's why even Jesus says, just the faith of a mustard seed. And you're thinking, well, that's not very much, but how much faith do you have? Many times we, we tend to worry, but we, we, we naturally get this because we're sinners. And so we inherit this, and then we display it before the Lord. So the question, what do you fear? What is it that you fear right now? Because when fear grips your heart, you're incapable of doing anything for the glory of God. You're, you're sitting over on the sidelines. You're disabled. You're ineffective. So what do you fear? Maybe failure? Maybe you're afraid to fail. Maybe some of you won't teach because you're afraid that you'll fail at teaching. Okay. Maybe you're afraid to, to take that job that you think would be a great opportunity for you to glorify God in, but you're afraid to fail in that. You're afraid to step out there. You're afraid to use your talents and your gifts because of failure. Maybe it's exposure. Maybe you are so afraid that people are going to find out who you really are. I mean, you, you, you put up a good front out in public, but you're afraid that word's going to get out and they're going to find out about that secret sin that you have. And you're just fearful of that. You're afraid to be totally exposed for, for who you are. Maybe you're afraid of a broken heart. You don't trust relationships. And we're just talking about friendships here, not just romantic relationships. Maybe that too, but you're afraid to, to step out there and to pursue godly friendships, relationship, because you're afraid of a broken heart. So you just stand back. And you kind of isolate yourself. Maybe you're afraid in, in these areas. Or, or maybe it's that you, you fear death. And I would say that's, that's probably the number one thing for us. It's fearing death. Especially in, in our culture. You know, we don't, we don't want to think of death as actually a reality. I mean, think about the age-defying dreams that are out there. My goodness, Facebook is loaded with them, okay? Um, you know, you can look as good as you want. But one day that, that heart's going to stop. And so, what happens when death comes to you? What group will you be standing with? Who, who will you be trusting for your salvation? And, you know, we, we look at this and we can, we can think, you know what, we, we shouldn't be afraid of death because, I mean, sun comes up, sun comes down, day starts, day ends. I mean, a, a start is a beautiful thing, an end is a beautiful thing. But you know what? That's just not reality. We fear death. You know why we fear death? Because... We're programmed to live forever. From the very beginning, we were programmed to live forever, to have life. And so when death comes onto the scene, now we're thinking, I can't grasp this. This is too difficult to deal with. And some of you, this is very close to home. For all of us, this will be close to home at some time or another. But we're not wired for death. That's why we will have a, a new body and a, and a new eternal life to, to live out with the Lord. But for this earth, it's, it's aging, it's decaying, it's falling apart. Everything's dying. But that's so hard for us to deal with because you weren't built for death. You were built to live forever. But the first two human beings that were here on this earth, they failed just like you and I. If we were in that situation, we would sooner or later have failed. We would have sinned. 
And so now we have to deal with something which is incredibly difficult. What happens when we pass from this life to the next? And for Israel, this was very real. So now we've kind of put ourselves in their position. They're looking and going, hey, we're easy to read about, but when you're put in this position, it's tough. We're hearing about these giants that will slaughter us. Yes, it's nice. They worship the Lord. It was great when they had milk and honey and when they had grapes that they had to carry on poles because they were so plentiful. But what about the obstacles that stood in their way to get to that milk and honey? You see, for us, we have to transform our minds. Some therapists would say you have to brainwash yourself in order not to be so fearful of death all the time. But I believe as we hold to the word, Romans 12, 2, it's a transformation. This is what we read. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There's a renewing that takes place as you walk with Christ, understanding the realities that he has called us to. One, that this life is temporary and we need to make the most of it. That by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. That, that's what we ought to seek. So hear this. What you fear is directly related to what you value. What you fear is directly related to what you value in your life. So picture this. We have little safety rafts that we like to hold on to. And we're comfortable as long as we have our safety raft. But if we get away from our safety rafts, we, we fear drowning. I don't know what your safety raft may be. But for Israel, it was nice when God was providing them everything they needed. It was nice when they heard about the honey and milk. It was nice when they had the bread provided for them. Those were all good things. Those were safety rafts. But when they were called away from those things to go and fight, all of a sudden there was a problem. Which means when they were called to display faith and to trust and not know. And not know what would happen next, but knowing that it's all in God's hands. That they would just trust in his word. And so with trusting in his word, the only thing they could stand on his word, they would know that he would provide for them. See, that would be a renewal, a transformation taking place. And that's the transformation that takes place in our minds as we display faith in Christ. So we have to get away from our safety rafts that are so comfortable just to hold on to, to stand upon or to to sit upon. See, our fears surround our idols. Our fears surround our idols. This past week, I'm on the back porch and fire up the grill, have some hamburgers going. You know, it's just the life, they say. And all of a sudden, I see some guys over there, they're grilling, and I'm thinking, I wonder what they're grilling, you know? And the manly man comes out at me, and I'm trying to compare what I'm cooking compared to what they're cooking. I'm just cooking hamburgers, and, and all of a sudden, I look, and they have these steaks, and around the steaks, there's like wrapped uh, this bacon, you know, all wrapped in there and it just smells so good. And I just have burgers. Right. And, and I'm thinking, man, and and they're, they're like picking it up, testing it out and putting it down and kind of looking over like, Oh yeah, this is what I'm eating tonight. You know? And and I'm thinking, well, that looks really nice. But you you think that, that, that meat just wrapped in that bacon had to be so good, but that's, that's how our fears are. Our, Our fears just wrap around our idols so tight. So whatever it is that you worship, Right there, that's, that's what you fear. You get it? What you worship, that's what you fear. And we're to fear God. We are to fear God. That's the beginning of wisdom. To submit all things to His authority, we're to fear Him. And, 
he's the one that we ought to worship. But, but no, many times we don't worship God. We worship our fears, our idols, the things that we have to hold on to that we cannot let go of. And I don't know what those idols are for you. I know what they are for my life. And in the sanctifying work in my life, that's being worked out day to day. And I hope it is for you as well. The Israelites were afraid to completely trust in God to guide them to victory because he was not at the root of their lives. After all he had done for them, they still did not trust him. Their security was not in him. He was not their security. They trusted the word of ten doubting men instead of the promise of their God, their king. As if God were to drag them along and and do all of these miracles for them. And all of a sudden they get to this point and say, all right, I'm about to pull a mean trick on you. But, you know, in the same way, that's that's how we work. We're just waiting for the day when when God fails. Right. Isn't that right? We're just waiting for the day when God fails. And you say, hold on. I don't know if that's true. I, I, I won't make that statement. But you do make that statement when you worry. When you fear. You're waiting for God to fail. You're thinking at any moment you're going to fail me. I know that you have never failed previously, but for some reason in my life, God, you're, I just feel like you're going to fail me. I feel like I'm going to find I'm going to wake up one morning and my parents are going to tell me you're not real. I just feel like that's going to happen. But that's not God. God is eternal. God is just. God is righteous. He forever reigns. He will never fail you. And in the same way, he didn't bring them to this point to now fail them. He would continue to show them that if you would trust in me, we're going to do greater and greater things. As I take you into this land, that will be yours. This will be your land. I'm giving it to you. But you have to trust me. I'm not just going to give it to you without going through these obstacles of faith. They were believing the lie from Satan in the garden, which is this. God is not looking out for your best. And now what Adam and Eve thought? Oh, he's not looking out for our best. That's the same thing they were thinking. He's not looking out for our best here. So, you know, we need another plan. Here's what we'll do. Hey, who's going to lead us back to Egypt? Surely they'll take us back. Instead of moving forward with all these promises and, and, and the hope in the future, they want to go back. They just want to go back to their security rafts, which weren't so secure, by the way. Timothy Keller says this, fear is an absence of thinking about God. Fear is an absence of thinking accurately about God. Faith is thinking about God and thinking accurately about him. You need to write that down. You need to put that. Is that up on the screen? Yeah, yeah. just write it down. If I say, give me a pen, let me write that down. Just take that with you. That is so true. Fear is an absence of thinking accurately about God. That's why we fear on this earth. Fear cripples you. Fear cripples me. Instead of taking their fears to God and in return receiving confidence from his faithfulness and love, they just ignore his voice. Ignore him altogether. Just act as if God hasn't been a part of all of this plan to begin with. Which gives them this grasshopper mentality. You heard it. They said, we're like grasshoppers to them. Some of you in this room today, you have a grasshopper mentality. You have no faith. You have no trust in God. You you see yourself as a little grasshopper compared to all these huge obstacles out there. And so you're afraid to go forward because you realize how small you are. But you know what? Take that as a good thing to realize how small you are, but how great God is. And put your faith in him. And move forward with what he's calling you 
to do. Listen to what he's calling you to do. Read and investigate what he's calling you to do. They put God on hold. There is nothing worse than being put on hold. Amen. I mean, when you're talking to somebody on the phone and they say, hold on one quick moment, and they, and they click over, and, and then they forget about you, that's even worse, right? And you're sitting there waiting, and you're being a good friend, and it's been five minutes. How many people wait five minutes on hold? Do we have those people that are here? Okay, I know. We had a few. And, and so you're waiting, you're waiting, and then they, they just forget about you. And then you have to call them back because they completely forgot about you. And you say, hey, you remember you had me on hold? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I got in this other conversation. And I mean, to me, that's just like rude, right? But how many times do we put God on hold? Hold on, God. Just, just, I know what you're calling me to do. I know what this is going to cost me. I know how hard this is going to be, but you're going to provide everything that I need to take this next step. I know that, Lord, but could you just, could you just hold for a minute? Put God on hold. Maybe we come back, but many times we just forget about God. And that's where you find yourselves disconnected. That's why we find ourselves disconnected. That's when you say, you know, I haven't been to the local church in a while. You know, I haven't been to my community group in a while. I haven't read my Bible in a while. I sure haven't prayed in a while. Man, I haven't told anybody about Jesus all year long. And you find yourself disconnected from God because you've put him on hold because you'd rather hold on to your safety wrap, what's comfortable to you, your idols, which are wrapped in fear. So you think that you're having freedom. You think that you have peace, but really what you put on yourself are more burdens. Right there. So your heart right now may be gripped with fear. I don't know what you're afraid of, but for Israel, they're afraid of moving forward. Maybe you're afraid of moving forward because of what it will cost you in your life. First Peter 5, 6 and 7, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. You hear that? God cares for you. God loves you. God adores you. Cares for you. Cast all your cares on Him. Israel was too focused on what they didn't have. So they said, let's retreat. Caleb and Joshua were focused on what they did possess in the Lord. What they did have in the Lord. They said, hey, they're like bread to us. Come on, we'll consume them. God will take down their defenses. We will beat them. Let's go. Let's move forward. But see, they had a heavy focus on what they didn't have. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Because you're thinking, if I follow Jesus, then these other things I will not have anymore. As if that's a great cost. So you're thinking, you know what, I'm going to have to lose out on some things. I may have to to give up my, my alcohol addiction. You know, I may have to give up my, my gambling. These are pretty extreme cases here. I, I may have to give up my worrying. You know, I have to give up my sexual immorality. You mean I've got to give up those things to follow Jesus? I just don't know if it's worth it. Measure it. Which group are you going to be standing in at the end, at judgment? You're going to look back and I guarantee you, you're going to say, oh, it's far worth it to leave all of those things, all of my safety rafts, and to completely live for Christ. So today, if you're lost in your sins, life begins with Jesus Christ. Let go completely of yourself. Die to yourself, as Jesus says, and follow Him. 
Love to talk with you more about following Jesus. You say, I want to enjoy myself first, but that's just false. Because I forget after following Jesus for a time period now, what it was like to to be lost and and to have so much of that fear without even trusting in God. Yeah, I still struggle with fears. Don't, Don't mishear me here. But to be completely without salvation, without God. And living that life, it was hopeless to think, is all of this worth it? To gain all of these things and yet forfeit my soul? But you know, I love that person who is so satisfied in God and their relationship with Jesus. Have you met that person? Maybe you are that person. But when you're around that person, they just take joy in everything Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, to talk about Jesus nonstop. They take joy in all things Jesus they talk about Jesus, they live out Jesus, and they have this continual smile on their faces. Now, they struggle. It's real to them. They're not fake. They're genuine, but they continue to persevere. They continue to encourage. They're not the ones gossiping. They're not the ones complaining all the time. They're not the ones worrying all the time. They're strong. And you look at them and you go, I want what you have. I want that. Then that means you let go of all of these other things that you're trying to control and to completely submit yourself to Christ. You too can have that, have the joy of following Christ. You, you see, we think we, we lose out when we start following Jesus. You know what we do? We lose a dead life, a deadbeat life, to put it harshly, in order to have true abundant life. You want a deadbeat life or an abundant life? And for Israel, many of them wanted a deadbeat life. They wanted to go back. Really, it was a dead meat life because they, would, they go back to Egypt, they're dead instead of an abundant life, which was before them. Israel displayed a fake repentance. As, as we read further, then they changed their minds when they realized that they're going to be wandering around in the desert for 40 years. And they say, okay, let's go and fight. And then they try to go fight and they lose. You know why they lose? Because they tried to fight without God. We can display fake repentance. You know what fake repentance is? It's when you're really sorry for what you did. Really sorry for what I did. But you're not really sorry for what you did to someone. God. You're just really sorry for what you did because of what it caused in your life. You hate the repercussions. You hate the consequences to your sin. You hate that. But you don't hate that you offended God. You know what our greatest problem is? Is that all of us have offended a holy God. So that's why none of you can have a testimony in this room that says, I never really did anything bad before I came to Jesus. Oh, really? Then why didn't you die on the cross? No, all of us did something bad. All of us have offended God in our sin, even in our goodness before truly repenting and following Christ. We have offended God. And that's the problem that we have. And so they display a fake repentance. But I want us to focus on a moment to Joshua and Caleb. These two guys who are ready to move forward, who said they're like bread to us. And this is in in closing. So follow along with me. We are to delight ourselves in the Lord at all times. These men were delighting themselves in the Lord and his promises. We see in Psalm 37, verse 3 and following, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. I love that. Don't you just love Psalms? Befriend faithfulness. Hey, faithfulness, be my friend, right? I mean, just draw close to faithfulness, which means that you're constantly faithful, faithfully trusting in the Lord. Verse four, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And you say, "Woo, that's what I want. I want that right there. The desires of my heart. That's what I want. Hold on. Maybe not what you think. 
Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him and he will act. Verse six, he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Let's make a connection here about the desires of our heart. Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Do you hear what David's crying out? He's saying, hey, as I meditate on you, let my heart be pleasing to you. Let my heart be for your desires. So that when you come back to Psalm 37 and we're singing about the desires of my heart, that I would truly have the desires of my heart, those desires are the desires that God has for your life. That's the transformation. That's the change that we're talking about here. That's where you don't fear these idols. You don't fear these safety racks. You let go and you completely trust the Lord. That's the transformation of the heart. Jesus Christ brings about this transformation. When he died for you on the cross, his blood spilt. That blood purifies. His body broken so you would not be broken. So that you would be whole and complete. So Joshua... In verse 9, he says, only do not rebel against the Lord. You realize that? That when you fear, you're rebelling against the Lord. When we worry, we're rebelling against God. And the reason I'm hitting so heavy on worry today is because all of us do it, and I'm I'm afraid. It's so easy for us to use these words, but that we just say, it's okay. You know, I understand you're worrying. Worry is just what we do. Parents, you worry about your kids. I understand that temptation. Man, you worry about your job. You worry about the economy. You look at all that's going on around us and, and worry, worry, worry. You know, you let worry be your master. It will drive you away from God into slavery once again. He says, only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. You see, Caleb was that guy who just radiated the love of God, trusting God. He was that guy. Everybody's looking at him and saying, why why are you smiling? Why are you excited right now? Why are you saying move forward? We can't do this. Man, you're too radical. That's what we like to say. We like to look at that group that had their platform. And and the guy stands up there and he says, tonight we're going to praise Jesus. And there was a sick piece in my heart that goes... Ooh, that may offend somebody. And, you know, then I thought, you know what? They can just get over it, right? Because true freedom's in Christ. And, and, and I'm saying, this guy's kind of radical. But no, he's not. He's just faithful. He's just faithful. See, maybe the ones we look at and we say are too radical, maybe they're the faithful ones. If they're being radical according to the Word of God. Church, are you delighting yourself in the Lord? Are you delighting yourself in the Lord? God provided a direct way for you to have full faith and trust in Him, to have victory, and that's through Jesus. Us trying to live life without Jesus is like the Israelites trying to fight the Malachites and the Canaanites without the strength of the Lord. It's failure. Oh, we could beat them? Okay, let's go. Now now you don't have the strength of the Lord. I want to jot this down. If you do not gain victory over your fears, then your fears will continue to have victory over you. If you do not gain victory over your fears, your fears will continue to have victory over you, and your fears will wreck your life. 
They'll wreck your marriage. They'll wreck your family. They'll wreck your job. They'll lead to other things. You wonder why you're entertaining certain sins in your life? It's fear. There's things that you fear which lead you to do other sins. So fear the Lord. Cast your cares upon Him because He cares for you. He loves you. May the fears in your life become like bread for you. May they come like bread for you. So whatever has gripped your heart, that's holding tight, that's hindering you from following Christ fully, may those things become like bread for you as you put your full trust in Christ and the plans God has for you. Plans which will not fail. Plans which are to prosper you, which means for you to live out the desires that God has for you. So if you're here today and you're lost in your sins, here's, here's your greatest need, Jesus. Jesus. love to talk to you more about Jesus. If, if you feel that there's a drawing right now happening, you feel that maybe, maybe your heart's pounding, maybe you feel nothing, but you just know that, hey, I, I need to follow Jesus. Whatever's happening to you right now, it's going to be myself and other pastors and counselors. We're going to be standing on that back wall. We invite you to come back and talk to us about Jesus. We'd love to talk to you more about following Jesus. Setting the captives free. Be set free today and follow Jesus. Some of you have asked some really good questions lately. And we would use the terminology to say you're almost there. I don't believe you can almost be there. You're either lost without Christ or you're following Christ. But there's been a lot of seeds planted. And we're waiting to see that seed take root and grow. We'd love to talk to you more about following Jesus. It's Jesus. What are you holding on to and is it worth it? Is it really worth it? Which group are you going to be standing at the end in judgment? But the whole purpose of salvation is to glorify God. So who are you glorifying in your life? If it's anything other, anyone other than God, you are missing out. Don't live a life of fear. Live a life of victory as you put your faith and trust in the Lord. God's calling you to join Perimeter Road. We'd love to talk to you in the back. You can also look in your bulletin of our next membership class in August. Love for you to come and join us. Hey, but church, it's, been, it's good to see It's good to see your faces this morning. I hope you take this message. I hope you take it to heart. I hope you go back and you read. I want you to read over Numbers 13 and 14 this week. Okay? I want you to continue to read and diagnose what are my fears. Don't just let this go. Don't just stop here and say, hey, I've had church for the week. Right? No. You are the church. Keep going. Keep reading. Keep studying. May God bless your studying this week as you draw close to Him. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this church. Love them dearly. God, I just can't grasp how much you love us. And, and you love us the same every day. You love us the same when you created us, when you saved us, as you've redeemed us, as we will be with you in, in eternity. That love is the same. It's not based on our works, on our abilities. Thank you, Lord, because we fail often. Father, we want to fail less and less each day. God, we want to fear less each day, and we want to fear you more, because that is a, a healthy fear to have. If Israel just feared you in the moment, they would have gone forth, and, and they would have slaughtered the enemy. And God, they would have been given that promised land. For us, Jesus Christ has led the way because we would be afraid to go forward. We could not go forward. It was impossible for us to go forward and defeat the enemy. Jesus went before us. He defeated the enemy. We have life in Jesus if we place our full trust in him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. Father, I pray you bring salvation to this place today and to, to dead hearts, awaken them. And Lord, I pray there's true repentance in following you. God, thank you for your message. Thank you that we can sing and praise you. May we continue to praise you in this time. In Jesus' name, amen.